Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. I wanted to, just on that note, kind of recap a little bit, once again, just what I feel like the Lord is saying to Harmony as a congregation. I believe, once again, I believe he is calling us back to the garden of prayer. He's calling us back to cultivating that place of prayer. That in scripture, the the garden symbolizes communion with the Father. That scripture, uh, or the garden in scripture symbolizes uh, intimacy with the Father. It, 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 It symbolizes walking in the cool of the day with the Father. It's the place where creativity flows and authority comes and communion happens. It's the place of rest and safety. It's the place of rest and safety. Uh, you know, I dwell under the shadow of the Almighty, that, that, that no weapon formed against me will be able to prosper, that in the place of secret prayer, prayer, in the place of the garden, in the place of communion with the Father, you can find rest and safety. You can find rest and safety. It's the picture of Jesus sleeping on the boat in the middle of the storm. When the disciples are freaking out, Jesus is at rest in the middle of the storm. And then when he does wake up, he has authority over the storm. So it's a place of rest and of safety. It's the place where our mind is renewed. I don't know how many times throughout this pandemic I, I, like everybody else, I'll feel a, a hint of anxiety. I'll feel a hint of stress and my mind will just get bombarded with thoughts or it's going a million different directions. But then when I enter into that garden, when I enter into the secret place, it's like the Lord renews my mind. He renews my way of thinking. He strengthens, uh, he strengthens my spirit. And in that place of the garden, in that place of prayer, there is a renewing of your mind. There is a renewing of the way that we even think. It's also the place where broken areas in our lives are both revealed and then mended. That, that the secret place, that the garden of prayer is both the place where our, our, the broken places in, our, in ourselves are both revealed and then mended both revealed and then mended. I I could have Amber come up, but I won't because I'll be putting her on the spot. But she could tell you that even in this season, the Lord has revealed just some different things inside of her that, that, uh, that, that, you know, she didn't realize was there. And the Lord has revealed those things and then mended them, been mending them. So it's a place of, of revelation. Where, where's the broken things coming from? And then the Lord walks you through that, that, that path of healing uh, in, in the garden, in the secret place. And, and I believe that the Lord is, I, I mentioned that last week, I believe the Lord is going to begin doing that. He's going to begin revealing areas in your life where there's unforgiveness, where there's pride, where there's arrogance, uh, where, where there's just broken things that are, are causing a rippling effect in your life. The Lord is going to begin revealing the root of those things, those broken areas inside of you, so that those can be mended and healed and, 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 and fixed in the secret place, amen? So, so those are some of the things I, I believe the Lord is doing. Prayer, listen to this, prayer is one of the most essential practices to following Jesus, period. It's one of the most essential practices to following Jesus. But I think, I think 
we have, uh, when we think of prayer, I think we have to even begin shifting the way we think of prayer. We have to begin shifting the way we think of prayer. So what I mean by that is this. Prayer is not just asking the Father for things. So prayer is not just, Lord, bless so-and-so, or Lord, heal so-and-so, or what I've been praying in the secret place a lot lately is, Lord, soften the heart of my wife so I can get a new tattoo. It's not, it's not for those things, right? You know, it's not just, she's shaking her head at me right now because I've been working on her. You know, the tattoo parlors are opening up this week. So, I mean, I can make an appointment and, you know, but that's another story for another sermon maybe. But, uh, but, the, but the place of prayer is not just for asking the Father for things. In fact, I would go as far as to say that if all we do in prayer is ask the Father for stuff, then we are immature as Christians. That only asking for things is, is a sign of immaturity. Now, let me clarify, it is not immature to ask the Father for things. In fact, many times in Scripture, especially, especially in the New Testament, um, there are countless times that Jesus or the, or the writers of the Gospels or the writers in the, of the letters, um, there's countless times where they say, ask the Father and, and he will give it to you. Ask the Father anything in my name. Jesus says, ask the Father anything in my name and it will be done for you. So asking the Father for things is not immature. What's immature is when your relationship or when your prayer time is solely asking the Father for things. When the only time you enter into the garden of prayer, when the only time you enter into the secret place is when there's, when you're in a valley of the shadow of death, when you're going through a trial, when you're, or, or when you need something from him, that is immaturity, is when the only time you're consistent in prayer is when you need something from the Father. So, so maturity, what maturity looks like is you go to the secret place, not just to ask for things, but because it is where he is, but because it is where he dwells, that your motivation for going to the place of prayer, your motivation for going to the place of prayer, for cultivating the garden, when your motivation is seeking his face, period, is spending time with the Father, that is when you walk in maturity as a Christian. And so, so the, the picture of this is this, is Malachi comes to me all the time asking me for stuff, asking me for a new toy, asking me for food or a snack or, or asking if he can play on his game system. Or, you know, he, he's always coming to me asking me for things. But there's also times where he comes to me and says, hey, dad, do you, do you want to hang out? Do you just want to hang out? He's not asking me for anything. He's just asking for my time. He's just asking to spend time with me. And that, that looks like wrestling on the ground or, or shooting each other with Nerf guns or pestering his sister somehow, you know, or pestering his mom somehow, you know. So it's, it's just, it's, it's the difference of him coming to me because he needs something. He needs food. He needs, you know, a snack. He needs permission for something. Or he's coming to me because he just simply wants to hang out with me. He just wants to spend time with me. And that's what our, our, our prayer garden should look like. That's what our secret time should look like. Yes, there's gonna be times where we're asking God for things and that's absolutely okay and absolutely required and necessary. But there's other times where we go to the secret place with no agenda, with no, no need on our mind or our heart and we're just going there because we just simply wanna hang out with our Father. 
where we just simply want to be with our Father, the one who has shown extravagant grace and love towards us. And what that communicates is that the Father is not just some Santa Claus to us that gives us something when we need it, but the Father is somebody that we love and that we want to spend time with regardless of what he hands to us. So we've got to, I believe that when we're, we're talking about prayer, we've got to begin shifting our mindset that we're not going to the place of prayer to ask him for things. We're going to the place of prayer to be in relationship and to have and spend quality, good time hanging out with our Father God. Amen. So I felt like the Lord wanted me to share that. And this is just the recap. This isn't even my message this morning. Uh, but but I, felt, I felt like the Lord wanted me to specify that, that we are, we are, yes, cultivating the garden of prayer, but it's not just so that we can get something from him. It is so that we can spend time with the Father in the secret place. Amen. So begin, begin shifting your mindset on what prayer looks like. What I actually want to talk about with you this morning, what I actually want to talk about with you this morning is this. Uh, so, so we've been having these Wednesday night prayer meetings through Zoom. I think we've had three now, and uh, we're going to do it again this weekend as well, or this Wednesday as well. Uh, well, not this last prayer meeting, but the prayer meeting before that, uh, Bob Stout was on the call with us. And uh, the Lord began speaking through Bob uh, a word that just, just really stuck with me. Uh, and then the next morning, he actually sent me an email. Uh, he said he woke up thinking about that word and, and felt like he had more from the Lord on it. And he began, uh, he began, or he began sharing with me what he felt like the Lord was saying. And, and it really just echoed something in my spirit. Uh, and one of the words that he began sharing is, is something that the Lord has been speaking to me as well. So I am totally ripping off Bob Stout this morning, and I want to share with you uh, a word that I feel like is from the Lord, uh, that I feel like is, is going to help us uh, in this new season that we're going to be entering into. So, um, so I want, what I want you to do is, if you have your Bibles, open it up to Psalms 23. Psalms 23, uh, one of the most famous Psalms in all of Scripture, Psalms 23. So we're going to read just the first sentence right there. And I'm going to stop and share some things with you. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. One of, just, this, just one of the bazillion reasons that I believe the Lord is leading us back into the place of prayer. This is, like I said, just one of the reasons I believe the Lord is leading us back into the garden of prayer is because I think he's wanting us to re-familiarize ourselves with his voice. He's wanting us to get more familiar with what his voice sounds like. So, so John chapter 10 verse 27 says that my own sheep will hear my voice and I know each one of them and each one of them will follow me. So the Lord says, as the shepherd, my sheep know my voice. And they follow me. And so one of the reasons I believe that the Lord is calling us back to cultivating the garden is because I believe he is wanting us to become more familiar with his voice so that we can hear when he's telling us to move. So that we can hear when he's telling us to, to, to move. So, so it's, it's not really a deep revelation to understand why that would be important. 
why the Lord wants us to understand and be familiar with his voice. Uh, and it's not, it's not really hard to figure out that you have to spend time with somebody to become familiar with their voice. So, so you know, wives, you all know, or I'm sorry, well, wives too, but, but husbands all know the sound of their wife's voice, right? So you can be across the store and hear your wife's laugh or your wife's voice, and you know it's your wife, even though there's several people in the crowd. Some of you are so familiar with your wife that you even know the look from across the store. Like, you don't even have to see her to feel the look. Like, you are familiar with her, and the reason you are so familiar with, with the sound of her voice or the look is because you spend lots and lots and lots of quality time with her. And so it's, it's not rocket science to figure out, to become familiar with the Spirit of the Lord or with the voice of the Lord. You have to spend time with the Lord listening to his voice. So I believe one of the reasons the Lord is calling us to the secret place is so that we can familiarize ourselves with his voice. We become familiar with the shepherd's voice because he, or we must become familiar with the shepherd's voice because he is leading us beside still waters on the path of righteousness. We need to hear his voice so that we can follow. We need to hear his voice so that we can follow. So there's, there's this incredible uh, short book by a man named Philip Keller called A Shepherd's Look at Psalms 23. So some of you may have read that book before or are at least familiar with the idea of that book. And what Philip Keller does in that book is he goes through each verse of Psalms 23 and he begins explaining it from a shepherd's point of view. So as, as you, many of you may realize, David was the author of Psalms 23. And before David was king, he was the shepherd tending his father's sheep in the field. And so Psalms 23 is written from a shepherd's perspective. And so what Philip Keller does is he explains the psalm from that perspective. I want to read to you a passage from his book, A Shepherd's Look at Psalms 23. So here, here's the passage from Philip Keller from that book. He says, sheep are notorious creatures of habit. If left to themselves, they will follow the same trails until they become ruts, graze the same hills until they turn into desert waste, and pollute their own ground until it becomes corrupt with disease and parasites. A commonly held but serious misconception about sheep is that they can just get along anywhere. The truth is quite the reverse. No other class of livestock require more careful handling, more detailed dis uh, direction than sheep do. Because of the behavior of sheep and their preference for certain favored spots, these well-worn areas become quickly infested with parasites of all kinds. In short, a time in a short time, a whole flock can thus become infected with worms, nematodes, and scab. The final upshot is that both land and owner are ruined while the sheep become thin, wasted, and sickly. The greatest single safeguard which a shepherd has in handling his, his flock is to keep them on the move. They dare not be left on the same ground too long. They must be shifted from pasture to pasture periodically. This prevents overgrazing of the forage 
uh, or of the forage. It foretells the reinfestation or forestalls, I'm sorry, I can't read this morning. It forestalls the reinfestation of the sheep with internal parasites or disease since the sheep move off the infested ground before these orga- organisms complete their life cycle. This is precisely the sort of action the idea, and idea David had in mind when he spoke of being led in paths of righteousness. In the following of or in this following of a, of, of a precise plan of operation lies the secret for healthy flocks and healthy lands. Wow, I had a real difficult time reading that. But you understand the idea here that he is leading us. So take this idea uh, and, and, and understand what, why, what, why it's necessary for us to hear the voice of the Lord. The reason why it's necessary for us to hear and become familiar with the voice of the shepherd is because I believe he is leading us to new pastures. He is leading us to new pastures. So like like Philip Keller describes in in the passage there, uh, that, that shepherds lead their flock to new areas because if left to graze in the same field for too long, sheep end up digging themselves a rut they end up eating up all of the good grass and end up causing, uh, causing the, the ground to become a desert wasteland. That what once fed them and nourished them now is causing, uh, causing them to become sickly and, and, and unproductive. So I believe he is going, I believe prophetically the Lord is saying that he is going to begin leading us into new pastures, not because what was feeding us before was bad, but because, uh, but because that if we stay there too long, then we can end up digging ourselves into a rut. We can end up digging ourselves or eating the pasture so much that it becomes a wasteland and unfulfilling to, our, to what our needs are. So, so, so if, here, here's the deal. If we, if we stay in the same pasture for too long, then when, or we move or we don't move. Sorry, let me gather my thoughts here. <laughs> let me just read it to you. So, but if you stay in the same pasture too long, if you stay when the shepherd moves to a new pasture, then you will end up, as Philip Keller puts it, the trail will become a rut. The hills become a desert waste, and the field becomes full of disease and parasites. There, that made more sense than what I was trying to do. <laughs> that if, if the shepherd moves to a new pasture, but we are not familiar enough with his voice to know that he has moved, and we stay in the same spot, that what ends up happening is what used to nourish us now becomes a desert wasteland. We get stuck in a rut, and we no longer can progress to where the father, where the shepherd is leading us because we are not familiar enough with his voice because we are not familiar enough to follow when he tells us to move. Like many times I've shared before, it, the idea is the same, that you become reliant on a religious system rather than the shepherd's voice. You could become reliant on the, the habits and the traditions of what fed you before, but it's no longer feeding you now because the shepherd has moved on, but you become reliant on the system. And just like the Pharisees, you miss what God is doing in that moment because you are not able to discern his voice and what he was saying in the new season because you are still stuck on what he was doing in the old season. So what we need to do then is enter into the garden 
of prayer so that we are familiar with his voice so that we do not miss it when he moves to a new pasture. And I, I wanna make this clear. You know, I think, I think maybe some of us as individuals maybe are in a rut. Maybe as individuals, we are in a wasteland, it seems like, spiritually. Maybe you are dealing with, with a dry season of your life. And maybe it is because you have not been in the secret place of prayer to familiarize yourself with his voice so that you can follow his leading. So there may be individuals that are in that season. But I do want to say that as a church, I believe that we're not necessarily in a rut right now. I don't believe that we're necessarily in a desert wasteland right now. I feel like, I believe that the Lord has, has been feeding us in a pasture, in the right pasture, and we've been eating in the right place. But I do believe that the Lord is ready to move to a new place. I do believe that he is getting us prepared to move into a different pasture, a different season, another level of glory. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful and we get real comfortable in the season that we're in and we're real comfortable in the pasture that we're in, then we are going to miss what he is telling us. So let me, again, make it clear. I don't believe as a church we are in a rut season. I don't believe we are in the wrong pasture, but I do believe the Lord is about to move to a new place. And if we are, care, are not careful, then we are going to miss his leading and his movement. And that is one of, the, one of the reasons, again, one of very many reasons why I believe the Lord is calling us into the season of prayer, into the season of cultivating the garden so that we can be familiar with his voice so that we can follow him into this next stage of glory, into this next level of his presence, into this next season of fruitfulness. So that's one reason, again, I believe he is calling us into the place of prayer, calling us to become more familiar with his voice so that we do not find ourselves in a religious system where we do the same things, where we spin the same wheels because it's all we know because we are not familiar enough with his voice to know when he says it's time to move. So, and, and I want to tell you, I, I am, I, I am, adamant in myself and making sure that I do not hear his, miss his voice. I, I do not want to miss his leading. I do not want to be so comfortable, become so comfortable in whatever season or whatever thing was nourishing me before that I miss what he's going to be leading us into. Because as great as that pasture was that we've been in, I believe the next pasture is gonna be greener and more full of life and more full of fruitfulness because that's the way he works. He leads us from glory to glory to glory. And I refuse in my own personal life and in the life of our family here at the church, I refuse to miss the next pasture, the next place of glory because I become comfortable with a different season. So I encourage you, it, it may be stretching. This next pasture that he leads us to may stretch us. It may, be, it may be completely different than what we've known. But I encourage you, don't let that cause you to fear and cause you to wander back into the old pasture. Let the Lord stretch you. Let the Spirit stretch you. Let your ear hear the word of the Lord so that you can go from glory to glory to glory to the new things that he is going to be bringing about in our church and in your own personal life. Amen? You may be asking, 
The same question I'm asking, Father, what does that look like? What does the next season look like? What, what are you talking about? He's leading us to new pastures. And, uh, you know, like any good shepherd, like any good sheep, he just leads and we follow. We don't always know what that's going to look like. We don't always know what it's going to look like. What I do know is this. I know he's spoken to us about wonder, and I know he's spoken to us about prayer. So I know that it at least looks like a greater level of prayer, and I know it at least looks like a greater level of wonder of, of being in awe of what God is doing. So I know he's spoken to us about this, and I know he's also been speaking to us about becoming repairers of cities and restorers of communities. So I, I know at least those little hints of what maybe the next pasture looks like, what the next place the shepherd is leading us to looks like. I know it looks like a greater depth of being awestruck of the Father and of what he's doing. I know it looks like a greater depth of prayer, and I know it looks like repairs of cities and restorers of communities. So you may be asking, Josh, what does it look like? Those are, that's what I know, but all I know is I'm listening to his voice. I'm following the leading of the Spirit, and, and I'm following the voice of the shepherd. Amen? Amen. I have to give my own amens. I get a few from the crowd, but since nobody else is out here, I have to encourage myself a little bit. So good preaching, Josh. Way to go. <laughs> so so this, next, this next part, uh, actually, so I, as I told you, Bob, Bob shared some of this uh, during our prayer meeting. The next morning, I woke up and I got an email from Bob, and uh, I want to read you that email that he had sent me. Uh, because I think, it's, I think it's really prevalent to where we are going. He says this, Bob Stout says this, says, the thought came to me that there is a vast difference between preservation and restoration. So there's a vast difference between preservation and restoration. Too often we want to preserve our lives, our ways of doing things. Preserving is an attempt to keep things as they are. Restoration, on the other hand, is a dramatic action. When Psalms 23 says, he restores my soul, we tend to see that as, the very, as a very peaceful act that the shepherd is doing. We see it as him simply bolstering us, propping us up, helping us along the way. But when something is restored, it isn't for the purpose of keeping it as it is. Rather, it is transformational and bringing that object back to its original design and purpose. That transformation is about bringing the object back to its original design and purpose. I love that. That preservation is about keeping it the way it is. But restoration is about bringing it back to its original purpose. I had a my mom and dad drive out of their way this morning to bring me this, uh, this lantern so that I can show it to you. So this lantern has a lot of history behind it for our family. It was owned by my great-grandfather, John Randolph. It, John is my middle name. I'm actually named after uh, my great-grandpa and one of my dad's friends who's also, his name was John. So I got, I got both whammies there. I'm named after two people. But my great-grandpa, John Randolph, owned this lantern. And uh, he used this lantern back when he worked on the railroad. So it's a, it's a gas, or it's a uh, kerosene gas, I think, lantern. 
burn some sort of fuel <laughs> to, uh, to, to light it. And he would use this lantern as he was working on the railroads. So this would have been made somewhere in the late 1800s. Uh, and my grandfather, great-grandfather would have used it somewhere in the early 1900s. So around 19, probably around between 1910 and 19, 1920, uh, my grand, great-grandfather used this lantern to work on the railroads across the country. What's really neat about this lantern is my grandfather, Francis Randolph, uh, his, my, my great-grandfather's son, uh, he took the lantern that was old, it was beat up, it had broken parts on it that wasn't useful anymore. He took that lantern and he put it back together. He restored it. He broke, pulled out as many of the dents that he could. He replaced the parts that needed to be replaced. He uh, sanded off all of the rust, all of the imperfections, and then repainted it. And so what he did was he took, he took the lantern and he restored it back to its original purpose and its original function. That before he restored it, it didn't work. But after he restored it, after he fixed it, it became functional again. It became useful again. And so it's the difference. If he would have wanted to preserve it, he would have left it exactly how it was, exactly how grandpa had used it, used, worn out, beat up. But instead, my grandpa, being the guy that he was who liked everything to be in mint condition, he took that lantern and he restored it. And so it's that picture of restoration. That restoration is, is taking something that was broken, that has been used, that is no longer functioning, and restoring it like new, but it's not a new thing. It's actually operating in its original function, but it's been restored to its original function and its original purpose. And that word restoration is what I is, is what's been hitting me. Uh, you've, you've heard me mention it here and there uh, since Easter, that the Lord is restoring us. The Lord is mending the broken areas, as I've been talking about. He is fixing those broken areas so that we can be restored back to our original purpose, our original function. The Lord is not looking to preserve us. Just like it says in Psalms 23, when it says he restores my soul, he's not saying he's just coming alongside of us and giving us a pep talk that, hey, you're good, you can make it. He's not wanting us to leave us broken and beat up and then just encourage us along the way. He is wanting to take us and restore us to make us like new so that we can function in our original intention and our purpose. He is restoring our soul, not just preserving it. Restoration is way more useful than just preservation. So what does that look like? What does restoration look like? What does that mean what, that he is restoring us back to our original design and our purpose. Our original design and purpose is to be image bearers of God himself. That we are to reflect what God looks like to the rest of the world. That God created man in his likeness and in his image. And our original design and purpose was to reflect his image and his design into all of creation. That our original design and purpose is to be image bearers of God himself. That our design is to be sons and daughters functioning as kings and priests. 
The Bible tells us that we are kings and priests in the world. What does that mean? What does that even look like? So a king and a priest, uh, it functions like this, that a priest, it, it, it kind of, I've heard it, I've heard it explained like this, that it's like a mirror, you know, that you see in the corner of a hallway, a mirror that you see in the corner of a hallway. And the purpose of that mirror is so that if you're standing in this room, you can see what's coming around this corner. And if you're coming, if you're standing in this room, you can see what's around this corner. That being a king and the priest is being that mirror. That we are priests in that we reflect the image of God to the world. That we reflect the image of God to the world. That we show the world who the Father is. But we are uh, I'm sorry, that's what a king is. That's what it means to be a king, that we are reflecting his image into the world. And to be a priest is that we are reflecting praise. We are reflecting sacrifice. We're reflecting glory back to the Father in heaven. So we are to function as kings and priests, as sons and daughters in the world. That's one of our designs, one of our functions. We were created I've said this a thousand times. I'm going to say it again. We were created to be in communion with the Father. He's restoring us once again back to the walks in the cool of the day, to the place where we can enter into his throne room, that there's no veil blocking us anymore, that there's no law or regulation saying that we cannot enter into the Holy of Holies, that our job and our function is to dwell with the Father in his glory and in the secret place. So we are to be in communion with the Father. And lastly, on this list that I have right here in front of me, we were created to help govern the earth. You know, back in the garden, the Father created Adam and Eve, and he told them to have authority and dominion over all of the earth, to govern all of the earth. So I believe that part of our, our, that God's intent of, God's intent of restoring us is to restore us back into authority, back into governing the earth, which looks like repairs of cities and restores of communities. That we, that we reflect the image of God into the earth, that we actually have authority over things in this world so that we can repair cities and restore communities. And I believe that's what the Lord is doing in us right now, that he is both leading us to a new path, but on top of that, I believe he is restoring our soul. He's not preserving where we're at. He's not trying to, trying to, to keep, keep things alive that don't need to be alive anymore. He's, what he's doing is he's restoring us back to our original state so that we can be image bearers in the earth, so that we can be kings and priests in the earth, so that we can help govern the world and repair cities and restore communities. Amen? So once again, I, I, I can't stress enough, I can't stress enough how how much I believe the Lord is leading us into the place of prayer. And, and this is just another one of the reasons I believe he's calling us to cultivate the place of prayer because he is calling us into a new season and we need to be able to recognize his voice so that we can follow him into that new place. And I believe one of the other things he's calling us to is, is he's restoring our soul. He's restoring us back to our original purpose, which let me tell you, is not being church attendees. Our, our purpose is not to just sit in these pews or these chairs. Our purpose is not to just have, have, uh, have carry-ins every other month. 
Those things are awesome and wonderful, and we are called to do those things. But our purpose, what we are on this earth to do, is to be image bearers of the Father and to restore communities and repair cities. And I believe the Lord is restoring us to our original design and purpose. And that many of us, the Lord's calling us, giving us some insight into what he's calling us to corporately. But I believe even as individuals, as we go into that place of prayer, he's going to begin speaking things to you personally. That purpose that is inside of you that maybe you didn't even know was there. He's going to begin leading you individually into new areas of your life and restoring you to your purpose and your design. So I, I, I'm, I'm calling you once again, go to the garden of prayer. Cultivate the garden of prayer so that you be, can become familiar with his voice and so that he can restore your soul to be able to go, to, to be able to be put back to your original purpose and your design. Amen? I believe that's what he's calling us to. I believe that's where, he's, where, where we're going. So listen with me. Listen to his voice. Let's, let's follow him wherever he leads us. Let's be okay if it looks a little different than it did in the last season or the last pasture. Let's follow him wherever he leads us. And go from glory to glory to glory. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Let me pray with you. Thank you, Father. God, I thank you for your word again this morning. Jesus, and it's just echoing once again what you're, what you're saying to our congregation, which is to go to the place of prayer. Father, and we're not going to the place of prayer to ask you just for things and for needs, although obviously we're going to ask you for things. But Lord, we are going, the motivation for going to prayer, our motivation is to seek your face. It says in Psalms 27, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that one thing will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And then it says that your, your spirit said to me, seek my face. And my heart said, your face will I seek. God, that is our one desire. The one thing that we desire from you is to dwell in your house all the days of our life. That we may behold the beauty of the Lord. That we may be fascinated by your presence and your face. God, that our one desire is to dwell in your presence and be in that secret place of prayer with you. That our one desire, that our call and our declaration is, yes, Lord, we will seek your face. That we are the generation of Jacob, as it says in, in Psalms uh, 24, that we are the, 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 the generation of Jacob, the generation that seeks your face. God, that is our motivation, is to seek your face in the secret place. And I believe out of that seeking, out of that desire to be with you, there is going to become a grace to hear your voice more clearly than we ever have before, that we are going to be able to follow you to new levels of glory, to new levels of, of your presence as we listen to your voice, as your sheep follow your voice, Father. God, I believe that you're cultivating that inside of us. God, and I also believe you are restoring us to our original design, which is to be image bearers on this earth. God, I thank you for all you're doing in us and through us, Lord. God, we say yes to following you wherever you lead us. 
God, we just declare once again, yes to following you wherever it is that you take us. We honor you. We love you so much, Lord. We bless you today. In Jesus' name.